Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Introverted Queen. On today's episode, I am speaking with Vanessa. She is a licensed psychologist in Massachusetts who specializes in child and adolescent psychology. We talked about dating apps, relationship expectations and boundaries, and how to heal after a breakup. It's a great episode. Check it out. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. How How are are you? you? Oh, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you for saying yes to being on this podcast. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm excited. We're going to talk about relationships and dating. So it should be interesting. (laughs) Absolutely. So do opposites really attract? That's a really good question. I think so. Because if we think about it, we are always, human beings, we're just wired that way that we are attracted to what we wish we were or what we might need, right? That's why, like, you know, if I'm a shy, reserved person, I might find it really intriguing if I'm sitting across this person who's unafraid to be an extrovert and connect with people and actually assert themselves and be vocal about things. And so it becomes intriguing and interesting because like, oh, it's something that I'm not, something maybe that I wish I was, or it could be that, oh, I am attracted to this person who is very funny and who can make me laugh and I don't have that. And so oftentimes it's just like uh, what research shows is that what attracts people, either in romantic relationship or friendships, is at the core, what makes also relationship friendships strong is the commonalities in the foundational values and belief system. So if you have similar values and belief system, that's what really first and foremost attracts you to the person. But the other personality traits, this is where it could be when we say opposite attracts, like the complementarity of things then further cements, you know, the strength of the relationship, Mm -hmm. I would say. But If you start on a foundation basis where the foundational values and belief system are diametrically opposed, then the probability of the relationship lasting or being healthy is very low. Mm. But do you think sometimes that society has this narrative that when you're dating, it has to be somebody who's your complete opposite? Because sometimes I find that when we go into that narrative, we may miss out on somebody just because he's like, oh, this person is kind of similar to me. So I don't want to date that person. Yeah, I think, yes, there's so many things that society, (laughs) internalized (laughs) from society that is not necessarily true, or it's like a, it's a trend, or it makes us feel like we have to abide by these rules that are not necessarily anchored in research or anchored in truth. Like, it's just like something that's trendy. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's more fun or it's more exciting if yes. you're you're going for somebody opposite. But what is missing in this narrative is we have to take into consideration who the person is, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm a person that, you know what, I am attracted to people who are similar to me, right? I am attracted, what makes me excited or what makes me fulfilled and overjoyed is being surrounded by like-minded people. And that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, it's that person's journey. I always say kind of like, I can't decide for people what would be best for them, right? Yes, we can give people pointers as we're doing this podcast about 
how to go about their journey in the healthiest way possible in a way where they can remain true to themselves and authentic, right? We can give pointers, but at the end of the day, it's about making a decision that really further cements your authenticity, but also a decision that I would say whose consequences we can tolerate and we can deal with. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm your friend, and I'm like, no, you should not be with that guy because he's so similar to you, you know, and then the person <laughs> decides to break up with that guy. But then the person's miserable because the person really liked that guy. Yeah. But the consequence of having broken up with that guy is not, you know, will not fall on me, the friend. It's easy for me to be like, break up, do this, do that. And I feel like it's the same thing with the messages that we internalize from society, because sometimes like those messages that we listen to could be more tailored to a specific set of people with specific needs, right? So we need to look at, like, people's personalities, their needs, their wants, their interests, and that will dictate whether being with somebody who's completely opposite of their personality or similar will bring them joy. Because at the end of the day, in friendship or in romantic relationship, it's about being with someone that makes you feel good about yourself, Mm -hmm. somebody who accepts you, somebody who values you. And for some people, it's like somebody who challenges me to be the best person that I can be. And sometimes it could be that it's a person that's exactly like you. Sometimes it could be a person that's opposite from you in personality. But oftentimes research shows about friendships and relationship is that if you have very dissimilar value system, belief system, attitudes and things like that, or philosophy of life, then there's a lesser chance that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, so for some people, like, oh, yeah, they could say, I'm an introvert. I could never be with somebody who's an introvert as well because it wouldn't be as fun for me. And then another introvert could be like, oh, I don't want to be with this, <laughs> you know, with an extrovert because maybe they wouldn't accept me as I am. They would try to always, like, bother me about, we need to go out and we need this and we need that. And I think the other layer, too, is that you can be with somebody who's opposite of you, but as long as that person accepts you for who you are mm-hmm. and values you and kind of meets you where you are, it could totally work. But when we're dealing with people who are opposite from us and then they're trying to change us into who they are, then that doesn't work. So I don't feel like it's like there's like one rule. Like you really have to look at all the variables that come into play. But I think that, like I said, having commonalities in the foundational value and belief system in addition to feeling seen, feeling understood, feeling valued, feeling respected, that's what we need to kind of go for as a feeling as we're choosing a partner. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, if I'm able to choose a partner that makes me feel seen, valued, understood, and that we share similar foundational values and belief system, then we could end up with somebody who's absolutely similar in our personalities or somebody different. And it also depends, like everybody's attracted to different things. That's why it's hard for me. I would never say like, okay, you should go for opposite. You should go for the same. But I will say you should go for what brings you joy and happiness, what makes you feel like I can be authentic and genuine with myself. I can feel seen. I can feel understood. And this person shares those you know, foundational values and belief system with me. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's very true. And with that said, you know, with technology <laughs> and social media apps, Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's made dating more difficult? Well, I think in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. And I'll elaborate on that. I think, again, depending on your personality. 
So let's say for the people who didn't have time to go out there and meet people, let's say pre-COVID, because COVID shifted a lot of things. So let's say pre-COVID, people who were introverts and had difficulties just putting themselves out there, going to clubs, approaching people, or people who were working so many hours, didn't have time to socialize, it made it easy in the sense that, well, you jump on your phone or your computer, create your profile, and you just have to read, you know, profiles and try to kind of contact people via chatting and things like that. So in that way, it made dating more accessible. And so in that way, it made it easier. In the way that social media made dating more difficult is that, I mean, it's just like the challenges of online dating, like the catfishing. Is that the problem? Yeah, there's the catfishing. There's, I think, a higher propensity for being disappointed or deceived, I should say. There's a higher propensity to being deceived because, you know, people can put all kinds of picture, then you go on the date, and then the person is not who they are, either in terms of, you know, how they look physically or even, like, they could lie about their profession. They could lie about what kind of person they are. And so it's difficult, especially for people who are introverts and for whom it's difficult to put themselves out there, to have the energy to go out and sit for a coffee, and then you get deceived, <laughs> then it can be very discouraging. Or also it can be difficult for the people who, for whom dating is difficult, period, and interacting with people, because sometimes you have to interact with many people before you find the person. And people can disagree with you. Know, like it's more labor-intensive because you have to read all kinds of profiles and then you have to follow up with like you know chatting with them and then you have to try to screen them and some people have different strategies like okay next step is then facetiming and so sometimes it can be very discouraging because you're like oh i gotta do all of that (laughs) right and sometimes like some people could be like well if i go to a club or if i go to a get together right then i get to talk to people but i get to see live their personality and there, uh, yes, there's also a chance of the person being a jerk, but at least, like, there's no catfishing. So if you go on a date with the person, maybe what could be deceiving after that is maybe their personality or maybe they presented themselves in a more positive life in the get-together. But you get pretty much instant kind of, like, feedback when you meet people live versus when you do that online. Mm-hmm. So again, it depends on the variable of your personality. And then there's some people... They find that absolutely so much fun. They're like, oh my God, I have a pool of people that I have access to and this is fun. But again, I think if you're more of an extrovert and you're like, I like to meet new people. I like to interact with people. I like to talk to people. Yay, this is fun. And for them, then it's easier. But for people who are more reserved and shy and introverts, I find that it's more challenging. Mm -hmm. I think when um, the dating apps became more popular, I was like, oh. Really? Okay. (laughs) It's very doubtful. I'm like, I don't know about this. But then, you know, as you, you know, you navigate through this whole like dating apps, you realize that, you know, for me as an introvert, I was like, okay, like, it's not bad. Yes. I feel like people have like a very, uh, like their attention span is very quick. Like if you don't say something like quirky or like really funny, then they're like, they move on to the next person. That's true. That's a great point. And there's that too in terms of, uh, I find that as an introvert myself, right? So if I'm in a get-together, 
I think it's easier to insert yourself into a conversation if a group of people are talking, right? It gives you time to warm up without, you know, yes. seeming weird or anything like that. Whereas, like, you're right, Cindy, like, in those chat, it's almost like because that's the other aspect that's challenging about online dating. Like you feel like it's more of like, like a, it's almost like hunger game. Like you, it's very competition. Like, okay, how am I going to keep this person interest? Like thinking, mm-hmm. how am I going to be witty? It's a lot of pressure, especially yes. if you're not that kind of person that can kind of like interact in that particular platform. Right. It's one thing to be in front of the person versus like you're behind your computer. Well, you have once more time actually to overthink things. Right. Because when you're speaking live, you know, you got to say something or you're going to be like, what? But, you know, online you can pause, but then it's like, what would be a good answer? Like we say the hi, how are you? Then it's like, so what? You know, and then you don't know. And then sometimes, too, there's like the person could stop mid chatting. They could stop chatting you and ghost you. Yes. There's that, too, because when the person is in front of you, well, at least they can't just ghost you because they have to say something. Even if it's a lie, they could say well, you know, anyway, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. Right. And then they're never back. <laughs> and then that's your cue, right? Mm-hmm. But when a person just stops in sentence with chatting. So, yeah, it definitely has, depending on who you are and your personality, it can be challenging or it can be actually, like, very thrilling. Yeah. And you, you said, like, when um, you're messaging back and forth and then you're overthinking about the response. And then yeah. you're like, what does... What did he mean when he said this? And then you start well, sending it to your friends and then they overanalyze yeah. it. And then you have a group <laughs> discussion about the meaning of like, then, the three words, right? And then you get anxious and stressed out about it, yes. right? Especially if you're like, oh my God, I was chatting with this person. Mm-hmm. Or so you think the person that, you know, oh, he looks cute or she looks cute or whatever it is. And then you're just very excited. Like it's like, it's a deception, yes. right? And then, and then the person ghost you or you know you don't know what to say but also you can misinterpret tone because the person's not you know with text messages chatting you know mm-hmm. it's just like we don't know we read it the way we want to read it yeah right in our head like mm-hmm. is it angry tone is it sarcastic like how do you decipher sarcasm from you know somebody who's angry upset frustrated somebody who's being snarky like you don't know yeah you start analyzing over like the exclamation point. Exactly. Why did he so add the exclamation point? <laughs> it just escalates people's anxiety. Yeah. But again, depending on your personality, right? Like if you're an introvert, it's definitely going to escalate your anxiety because you're going to overthink. Mm-hmm. Introverts are very into their own inner world, right? Yeah. And then the extrovert could be like, this is fun and not thinking like, are you an overthinker or not? If you're an overthinker, well, online dating is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> very stressful right if you're not and you're more impulsive it could be like okay cool let's go on a date but i think that if people really want to try online dating i think and you're an introvert and you want to kind of minimize the anxiety i think i would suggest to keep the chatting short mm-hmm. you know if the person seems nice you know it's just like immediately to shift to talking on the phone or i think facetiming is a great way to screen out well first of all you will know if you're getting catfished or not. Yes. Right? Especially if the person's like, no, no, I don't want, I want to see you at the coffee shop, not, <laughs> you know, and, but with FaceTiming, you'll get a feel of like what it would be like to sit with the person face to face. And then there's no misinterpretation of things. There's no ghosting. They could ghost you after the call, but not during the call. See, I don't like the FaceTiming. 
the what, pre. Tell me more about that. I'm not saying that you should like it. What do you dislike about it? I guess I should say. I don't know. I, cause I feel to me it's okay. You're messaging back and forth, right? Or you're talking on the phone. It's like, can we just meet? Why do we have to do this pre-screening of like FaceTiming? And so, to me, like, it's added pressure because you're like, okay, what I need to do my hair. My, how do I look? <laughs> with lipstick. I don't want to, I want to be too flashy, but I want to look good at the same. Like, it's just, to me, it's a lot. So I'm like, let's just meet at the coffee shop and get it yeah. over with. And, and I feel you about that. I would say that too. But I'm saying kind of like for those people out there who are like, you know what? I don't want to go and be so disappointed or deceived. Mm. Like, I feel like it's going to be a waste of my time. And the FaceTime doesn't have to be long. It could be like five, 10 minutes. So at least you're like, okay, first, let me guarantee that you look like the picture. Yeah. True. You know, second of all, are you pleasant? Does it seem like I could have fun with you? I think you can capture that in 10 minutes. I mean, there's no guarantee, but you could at least kind of be like, oh, okay. And then from there, I would say that's the next thing I was going to say to minimize the anxiety is just like try to meet the person at a coffee shop so that if you're like, oh, this is not good, you can leave pretty easily versus like, oh, let's do this six course dinner. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm being silly, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now that we're talking about like online dating and now that we are in a relationship, sometimes we have a lot of ideas on what relationships are and how they should function. Mm-hmm. How early do you need to set expectations in relationships? So this, I guess my theme word today is it depends. <laughs> um, so I think it depends on what your goal in dating is what your goal in a relationship is. If your goal is, okay, I'm dating in order to find a long-term partner and to build a long-term exclusive relationship with them versus like, you know what? I'm not ready to commit. I just want to have fun. It's cool. So I would say for the person who's looking for something serious and really wants to find a life partner, let's say, then it's important to set expectations pretty early on. There's always the, you know, and again, media, movies, you know, especially when talking about certain people, and, you know, they would tend to say, oh, if you do it too early, you might scare the person off, or you might do this, you might do that. But the flip side of that is that if we wait too long and the person is under the impression that, oh, you're just chilling, then you might get disappointed mm-hmm. or you might get like, this is where you're not on the same page. So I think you can filter out people whose um, dating goals are completely different than yours early on if you are setting your expectations. So for example, if you have this woman and I'm not saying date number one, right, (laughs) you know, but let's say as soon as you see that, hey, we're starting to kind of meet pretty regularly, like I don't want to give like a specific number, you know, I would say like. If you had a few dates and then you see that it's headed towards a way where you like the person or you feel like the person likes you, then I think it's important to have a conversation about what people are looking for in the relationship so that early on you can decide whether you want to continue dating that person. Mm-hmm. Because I think the longer we wait just for any given situation, the more we risk being heartbroken, being deceived, being disappointed. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I've been victim of that where it's like, you really like this person. And you're like, if I say the word like, where's this going? Or this is what I want in this relationship. He's going to disappear. But the thing 
is that would you rather know two years after when you're thinking you have a solid long-term relationship, the person is telling you like, no, I'm just chilling. Oof. Or would you rather know early on? It's that, that's why it's like kind of reframing and saying like, okay, at least if, first of all, if I put it out there, I am honoring myself and my values. And if I put it out there as well, I will be able to know whether this person is worth my time. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yes, you could be in front of like, oh, this person is incredibly attractive and they have so many things that I am looking for. But at the end of the day, and this is the number one mistake of most people, is that sometimes we have a hard time taking in what people tell us. Mm-hmm. Meaning if somebody's like, I recently talked to somebody and then the person was like, oh, this person told me that. The person told them, I am not emotionally available, right? So the person is telling you, I'm not emotionally available. And so sometimes what happens is that we, as human beings, because it's like, oh, but she's so cute, but he's so cute, but she or he is so interesting. And it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Nah, you know, they're, they're going to change their mind, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, no, you got to mm-hmm. listen to people and what they tell mm-hmm. you, right? And... And so what ended up happening with this person that I, I was I'm talking about, like, is that, yes, in the beginning, it's like, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Then you catch feelings. Then and the person tells you again, like, hey, here's the story. And here's how I am not emotionally available. And then you realize it. But then maybe you have developed feelings and you start getting attached to this person. Right. So I think like the number one thing is really and that's hard sometimes like because dependent you want, i want to date so badly right and sometimes it blinds us from seeing the red flags yeah right and so that's why it's like it's good to set expectations early on so the person can tell you like listen i think you're cool i think we're having a good time but i cannot commit or invest myself in this relationship because emotionally i'm not there mm-hmm. and it is up to us then to determine from that point on, like, again, being honest with ourselves as, oh, am I okay with hanging out with this person, possibly catching feelings, but knowing that nothing will come out of it? Or even though I could be devastated because, oh, this person's so cute and so great, but being like, you know what, I'm going to protect my heart and leave myself open to other people who have the traits and the emotional availability that I am looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's like in a, for the person who's looking for a long-term relationship, commitment, all that stuff. The person who's like, I'm not emotionally available. I just want to have fun. You know, then there's no expectations to talk about unless the person that you're dating or the many people that you're dating are asking you, then it's really to be honest with those people. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have an agenda and you're like, I'm just chilling, then not really. You could, I think it, it's more kind of like a good courtesy to let the person know if you choose to, that that's where you're at. True. And I think that's when you realize that, okay, maybe, you know, I should start dating with purpose <laughs> when you realize okay. that, hey, you know what? I want something long-term. I want a commitment. Mm-hmm. So then you start evaluating like the red flags. Like somebody tells you I'm emotionally unavailable. It's like, okay, run. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, there's so many liners. It's like, I'm not emotionally available or I'm not ready now. Or even though it's hard to hear, cause, you know, I remember when I was younger and clearly, sorry about my dog and clearly less experienced, you know, if a guy would tell me like, I'm not ready now, 
And then in my unexperienced, naive head, it was like, he's not now, but he will later. Yes. <laughs> you know, because you just so badly wanted to work or you, you really like the person. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, oh, red flag. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. <laughs> it's like, why don't we reconnect when you're ready? Yeah. If I'm available, you're available. Or why don't we reconnect when you're available? Because, well, yeah, when somebody is emotionally unavailable, eventually it's really going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Because all the things that you need from someone in a relationship, there's no emotional intimacy with somebody who's emotionally unavailable. You might not feel seen and valued and attended to if the person is not emotionally available because maybe they'll be all about themselves, you know? So it's looking at, like, also, like, am I able to deal, like I said before earlier, the way to make the best decision for ourselves is really to look at the consequences of each decision that we're thinking about and going for the decision where the consequence is one that I can honestly and genuinely tolerate, deal with, be okay with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are not honest with themselves. Yeah, true. And I think sometimes as women, we tend to think that we can change somebody, right? If somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm emotionally unavailable. Well, he's going to become available when he meets me, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's it. Because I'm, I'm special. Right. right. And I am the, you know, I'm the best. Yeah. yeah everybody is unique and special for sure. <laughs> but not to the point where you can change somebody who's emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. I like to use this kind of metaphor to explain to people what happens in terms of the health of the relationship when people who are not emotionally ready or people who have not dealt with their baggage go into a relationship, right? So the image that I use is like, okay, if everybody has a baggage of issues, everybody does. Let's say, let's kind of visualize two people with like this bag that they're carrying over their shoulder, right? And then let's say one person's bag is like so heavy because the person has not unpacked any of their issues Mm -hmm. and they're remaining closed and they haven't explored their emotion nothing they're just kind of like "Uh uh-uh and they're emotionally unavailable and then you have the other person who also has a bag but maybe the person has been to therapy the person has worked on themselves right and so their person's bag is light right so when those two people get together it's kind of imagining like put these bags in front of the people right can they get close can they get close and kind of like hug? Not really, because the big bag of that one person is getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So for a relationship to be healthy, it's just like both bags have to be pretty light so that when they put it in front of them, it's not really getting in the way of them being able to hug, you know, if we're going to use that image, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a lot of relationship don't work because a lot of people go into it and they're unexamined, unresolved issues get in the way of the relationship so if i'm somebody and i'm having as the media likes to put it like oh do you have daddy issues if i have daddy issues and i never you know explore them examine them process them uh resolve them then i am going to anything that remotely reminds me of my dynamic with my father i am going to project that onto my partner Mm -hmm. right and then that's going to become an issue Mm-hmm. Even though my partner could be, because my partner could be like, I didn't do anything, but it's not fair to your partner because you're projecting your issues with your own father or some dynamics in your relationship or some trauma you had from the past, right? So those are really important things to think about 
and also like I always say to my patients talk to me about their relationships like when you start dating it's like that's the scientist and researcher in me is like pretend that's like you're the scientist and researcher and so when you start dating you're collecting data mm-hmm. you don't want like after date number one or two be like oh he's not the one for me or she's not the one for me it's more like okay do I have enough data to make an informed decision about this person yeah Sure. And so, and maybe as I'm collecting data, if I have like, oh, red flag after red flag after red flag, then I have my answer. Mm-hmm. But it's always kind of like, do I have enough? And that, that's what to determine whether you're going to continue dating somebody or not. It's like, do I have enough data to know whether I want to pursue this further or maybe I should stop? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we date, sometimes I find we, well, for me, I think in the beginning, I did not um, dig deep. Like it was always surface level. And I didn't realize that I wasn't being vulnerable with the other person. So I feel like the uh-huh. person never really got to know me, that it was always like, you know, very surface. So I think sometimes that can happen, especially in this world of like, you know, quick, quick. Uh-huh. We can, uh-huh. it can take some time to get vulnerable uh-huh. and get to know somebody like to their core. Yes. And to be vulnerable, you need to trust someone. Yes. Yes. Right. So the person, has to earn your trust. Mm -hmm. And also, depending on your prior experiences with trusting people, was it it that the trust was broken oftentimes and you go into this relationship with your your little baggage of people because this person did that to me in the past and that person and that person. And we can't blame you because we all wired to defend ourselves and to survive. That's a survival skill. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not, mm mm-mm. I'm not going to be vulnerable to you quite yet. Yeah. Like for people usually to be vulnerable, you got to trust the person because Mm -hmm. being vulnerable, you're raw with your emotions, with everything. And if you don't trust that the person can honor your vulnerability, can respect it, can keep it private and not like divulge it for the rest of the world, then, you know, then it makes sense for you to be like, well, I don't know. But at the same time, like I said, as you're gathering data, there could be something about the person that maybe you're not aware of that makes you not let your guard down. And that's data in itself. Mm-hmm. If you're like, mm, why do I keep not? Mm, because there's something, yes, you know, about it. So I, um, I'm going to use the words and I, and I have to put the, uh, you know, so Brene Brown is a social worker, mm-hmm. very well-renowned. I don't know if you know about her. Yeah. I think it's like talking about what needs to happen for people to trust other people. And so she used this acronym, which I think is braving. So each letter, I think B is for like boundaries. If somebody is able to respect your boundaries, you're more likely to trust them. The R is for reliability. The more somebody is reliable, consistent, right? The more you can trust them. The A was for accountability. You know, the more the person can be accountable for their actions. You know, if you're dating somebody and every time they're blaming you, they're blaming the world. And they're not able to say like, oh, shoot, this is where I messed up. Especially in relationships, right? You want somebody with accountability. Mm-hmm. That also will increase your likelihood of being vulnerable with that person and trusting them. I think the V is for, I think she says like the vault, meaning like if you share something with that person, can that person consistently keep it private? Meaning like they're not going to share your journey, your history, your secrets with other people and gossip and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? 
think the I, what's the I? I'm forgetting the I for a second. I'm going to come back to the I. But the N is for non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to this person and they're, you're constantly judged, you're not likely to trust them. That gives you a sense of like, so if you're with this person and you find yourself like, it's superficial, why can't I open up to this person? So maybe it's something about them showing you that they're never accountable for their action. Maybe it's because they never respect your boundaries. Maybe it's because they've been inconsistent, unreliable, right? Maybe it's because you have found that they talk about your business, right? Or you feel judged every time you talk about something. So yeah, so I think like it's looking to like, like that's data in itself if you're like, oh, but also it could be that. It could be that the person is not presenting in a way that you can trust them because they're not reliable and not respecting your boundaries. Mm-hmm. But if the person has all these traits that we're talking about and you still can't trust them, then it's more your issue. It's like, oh, I need to work on my trauma, which has indicated to me that I can't trust the world. I can't trust people. I need to work on that. Yeah. Very true. So on that note, how do mm-hmm. you heal after a breakup? How do you heal after a breakup? Mm-hmm. I think after a breakup, which is hard, is a couple of things I'm thinking about. First is that I think sometimes people, to if we're talking about healing, of course, a breakup brings about a lot of emotional pain. And that pain can stem from feeling a lot, like feeling grief from the loss of the person. The pain can come from feeling disappointed, depending on what happened, feeling betrayed, feeling very vulnerable feeling like, oh, I trusted this, like when we're talking about betrayal, I trust this person, this person has shattered my trust in them, or you feel abandoned, or it can leave you feeling like you're not worthy, you're not beautiful, you're not worth it. Just a, a range of very raw, difficult, painful emotions. I can step from a, a, a heartache, a, a broken relationship, and then so then how do you heal yourself after that? So I think the first thing is, I think society would tell you, like, I'm sure we've seen that in movies where it's like, oh, I'm just going to move on to the next person, right? Or I'm just going to repress my emotions and just like, it's okay. I'm just going to shake it off. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Which is giving you a false sense of like, you're fine. And, you know, people are so afraid to deal with emotions. But I think the first thing to heal is like, if you do not acknowledge your emotions, if you don't take the time to process your emotions, you're going to repress them. And then they're going to explode back in your face at a moment that is unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, the metaphor I use for that, just like, if you keep pushing, 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 like if you keep pushing a twig down a barrel of water, eventually when you let go of it, it's going to pop back up. So that's what happens when you don't deal with your emotions. So, okay, so then how do you deal with your emotions? Again, depending on what kind of person you are. For some people, like myself, writing in a journal really helps. Mm -hmm. Where I can just, like, write down, acknowledge, process my emotions. For other people, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk to my good friends about how I feel. Other people, I'm going to use my therapist. For other people, it could be, like, I'm going to practice some meditation to really connect with myself and to get through these emotions. But it's really important to call out these emotions, acknowledge them. I think part two of like healing is also taking a step back to reflect on the relationship. Okay, what led to its demise? At the end of the day, was that a good relationship for me? 
what are the lessons that I'm learning from this relationship? Because there's always lessons like, ooh, well, this is a relationship where in retrospect, this person has a lot of red flags that I ignored because I was so blinded by lust or by my attraction to that or whatever it is. But they were right there and I didn't listen to that. Or I didn't listen to this person who told me that they were emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. Or I didn't pay attention to the consistency in the person's pattern of not being reliable, right? And could I see that earlier next time? Or this made me realize that, you know, a man or a woman who has these traits is not for me. Or this made me realize that if the person doesn't have the same belief system of XYZ or value of XYZ, it's not going to work for me. Yeah. Right. So it's really important to kind of sit down. like, what are the lessons learned that I can apply to my next relationship? So I don't make the same mistakes, but also that I can apply to my next relationship. So I'm closer to finding that partner that I want. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think oftentimes the mistake that people make, and I think it's a coping healing mechanism that is unhealthy would be to like, well, I feel like shit after a breakup. So let me go with that person, even if it's like a hookup or whatever it is, that's going to make me feel less like shit. But yeah. we don't realize in those moments that it's only a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. Like in the moment that, let's say, you go and have a one night with somebody or hook up with somebody, whatever, that in the moment it feels great. Like, oh, I feel attention. I feel affection. I feel attended to. But once a person leaves, you're back to, oh my God, like I'm heartbroken. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Right. So it doesn't, it's just a temporary fix. Whereas if you're able to really name all the feelings you're experiencing, name the pain, cry if you need to, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Cry yeah. if you need to mope around if you need to, but also take care of yourself in the way that is relevant to you. And what I mean by that is that I could say like, do this, do that. No, again, depends on your personality and what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. so take care of yourself by doing things that bring you joy and for some people it's like i'm going to go to the gym and run because that's therapeutic for me for other people it's like, i'm going to go swimming other people is going to be i'm going to do my meditation i'm going to talk to my friend about it right to so release those emotions through different channels and name them but also take the time to take time for yourself to reflect on the journey of that relationship and highlight the lessons and the pearls of wisdom that you can apply to the next one. The other thing to think about is like, okay, if this was your friend going through this, what would you tell your friend to do, right? Mm -hmm. And then to try to also stay away from as much as you can embarking onto another relationship too soon before you have been able to really process and reflect on the one that that just ended. Mm -hmm. I love that you said, like, reflect on the lessons that you learn, because I think sometimes... When you break up with somebody, mm-hmm. people can tell you, oh, well, you know, like that was such a waste of time. You like you wasted two years of your life with this person when, you know, could have been doing or meeting somebody else. So yep. I think it's not a waste. It's just a lesson. And it was an ex- like, not really an experience, but I think mm-hmm. it was just a relationship that taught you about you and what you want and how you're going to go about embarking on the next relationship. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's hard in the moment. I mean, as it just happened, you know, of course it's going to, it's recognizing it's going to be hard for us to see the lessons and everything because you're Mm -hmm. like, this sucks. And that's why I'm saying it's okay. Phase one, take the time to acknowledge the feeling. You can be like, this sucks. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. I'm broken. 
and cry if you need to mm-hmm. and just let out those feelings mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form, being physical exercise, writing in your journal, you know, venting to your best friends, whatever it is, like but acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge those feelings. And then when you're in a better place, then reflect on that because there's always a silver lining in every situation, no matter how much they suck. But to be able to see the silver lining, you have to have clarity of mind. And to have clarity of mind, you really need to process and digest the feelings first. Yes. Right? And just kind of be like, okay, I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I am sad. And it's okay. Like, stay in that and process it. Mm -hmm. Right? And then when you have that moment of clarity, then to be like, okay, well, at the end of the day, (laughs) you know, this person, maybe you might realize like, oh, this was for the best. Like, but in the moment I wasn't able to see that because oftentimes it could be the fear of being alone. Like our fears can blind us from seeing the benefits of no longer being with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, the fear can blind us from seeing kind of like, well, at the end of the day, this wasn't a healthy relationship for me. Yeah. And then what is it that I'm really broken about? Mm-hmm. Is it because I'm going to be alone or is it something particular about that person? Mm-hmm. Is it that I, I'm scared of how society will perceive me because I'm a certain age and, oh, here I am again, I'm single. Like, also, it's also dissecting that. Yeah. You know, is the pain really about the relationship or is it more ego? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is my ego bruised or is it that my heart is broken or is it both? Yeah. And so that's why it's good to kind of, like, really take the time to analyze all of that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful advice. Vanessa, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the work that you do. Well, thank you so much. And I just wanted to say in terms of like the acronym from Brenna Brown, Mm. the I and the G, I just checked it out. (laughs) The I is integrity. Integrity, okay. And the G is for generosity. So if somebody is, is not genuine with you and you find them, even when they talk about other people, the way that they navigate life, then it's going to be harder for you to trust them. Mm. and then the generosity too so yeah definitely look it up Brené Brown raving I love that it's such a a nice way to break down like you know kind of like the ingredients of trust Mm -hmm. of trusting someone absolutely thank you thank you (laughs) that was such a great conversation I had with Vanessa one thing I took away from this conversation is that it is important to have expectations in relationships. I hope you found this episode insightful just as much as I did. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and please subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at introverted underscore queen blog. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care. And until next time.